This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, did I Yo. catch you playing with the rubber ducky while you were out there? In the I newsroom? did, yeah, I had my rubber ducky. It is rubber ducky day. Yes. So, yes, I had to, you know, you gave him to me, and I <laughs> wanted to make sure he didn't feel left alone on rubber ducky right. day. Right, especially yeah. in the newsroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to play in the newsroom a little bit. Absolutely. Keep them warm in there. It's kind of chilly. So, you have a bowl of warm water you can I float have a bowl, around? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, you're such a nice person. As I far try as to animals. be. I, I, I know you feed the birds too. The I do. Wild oh, birds. Man, I bought something. I spend more money feeding the birds, I think, than I do feeding me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good because buying good quality seed is by far the best thing to do because if you buy the cheaper seed, there's just a lot of infill filler stuff. Mm-hmm. The birds go, nope, they just rake right. it out. I so. just get, you know, the cardinals and that is sunflower. That's all I get. Just so sunflower. You, which, like sun, which sunflower do you use? The black one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, the thistle. I, I mean, those those little boogers are going crazy. I've got three tubes, and they get emptied every day. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, yeah, they like it. It's, do you have a video it, camera on it? You know, I'd like to. I really would. That's a good idea. I think I'll do that. Yeah. We'll live stream it and then charge you to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm rich from doing yeah. this show, so yeah. So spread the wealth. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks. You bet. And, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. We'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now, call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And thanks for having me on your show. You can give a call. We can talk about plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds related to your annuals. How about those geraniums? There's been several calls this past you know, month or so where people brought their geraniums back inside. My grandmother used to do that, but she just put them in the basement and kind of just let them wilt. And the stems would be fine, then she'd stick them back outside. But there's been several people that said they are still blooming inside. How about the edibles, your ground covers, your house plants like the gentleman? Sorry about those hibiscus. They look great outside, but it's almost one of those plants. It's kind of like the mandevilla vine. That, yeah, they look perfect outside in the weather and everything else, but when you bring them inside, they don't like it so much. How about your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens? And always remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing, so he's just, you know, he took a couple phone calls, but there's still some phone lines open. And, uh... During the week, I do landscape consulting where I can come to your home and we can discuss what's going on in the outdoors, in your yard, whether it's an aesthetic thing, problem solving, you know, have a list of questions. We'll go through those. And also, I'll keep my eyes, ears, and whatever open to find out maybe there's something else that's impacting your landscape that, you know, not you didn't even think about. So... 
Uh, tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial goes out to various garden clubs. The O'Fallon Garden Club, that's O'Fallon, Missouri Garden Club. They meet on the fourth Tuesday of each month. And guess what? Some of the things that O'Fallon, Missouri Garden Club supports there's a Bluebird Sanctuary, there's United Service Therapeutic Garden, and the Twin Chimneys Elementary School Butterfly Garden. So that's the kind of thing. So it's just not you go and you hang out and you just sit around in, the let's say, a room and somebody gets up and shows you know, PowerPoint of the plants or anything else. So these shows, this shows you what these garden clubs do. So also Webster Groves Garden Club, which used to be the Men's Garden Club of Webster Groves. It meets on the second Monday, and uh, you know you can confirm. Just get a call, you know, in contact with them to find out where the exact location is. There's a West County Daylily Club, and also the Missouri Botanical Garden Daylily Society. And then, if you're into wildflowers, the Wild Ones Natural Landscapers assist in efforts to establish native plant communities around home schools and businesses through tours and mentoring and everything else. So all kinds of different garden clubs and garden organizations that you could be part of. So guess what? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments about your outdoors or your houseplants, of course, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Heard me talking about fungus in the previous hour. Well, those two winter funguses, yes. But I will tell you one thing that we think that we're doing that may be of benefit to our lawn is, guess what? Fertilizing. Fertilizing with the first number is nitrogen. Once that first number gets above 15%, that's those numbers equal percentage in that particular bag or that type of fertilizer. Above 15, that really kind of encourages fungus growth. So we think we're helping our lawn by using triple 20 or 25.55 or something along that line. Keep that first number lower than 15. And it's not to say it's going to always cause fungus, but it just sets up a scenario for the grass plants to be more prone to fungus problems, especially with fall feedings. And coming in, you know, where the humidity is high, like it was the other day, fall fungus, yes, winter fungus, yes. Oh, gosh. Fungus, fungus, fungus. You know, I've had allergy problems my entire life, and it's due to related to molds and fungus and things like that. So enough of that stuff. Mike Miller, yes, that's me. Terry lives in O'Fallon, Missouri. Terry, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Mike. How are you? Thanks for your service. Well, thank you. Listen, uh... Kind of a two-pronged question about my Norwegian spruce, which I use as a barrier that abuts a wooded area. Uh, number one, um, typically I use these uh, evergreen fertilizer spikes in the fall and in the, the spring, and these bushes have done extremely well. I didn't get to do it because of the drought last fall, and um, so I'm, I'm wondering, the uh, first question would be, should I do that, you know, if we get some snow or... If the soil gets moist enough so that I can drive these pegs, you know, circumferentially around the base of the, of the bushes. And number two is I have deer in the neighborhood, you know, when they rut. Sure. Um, they love to get that velvet off their antlers, and so they hit the bushes and they hit the branches. 
I tried mothballs and um, deer repellent and ad nauseum, you know, everything. <laughs> and do you have uh, do you have any magic, any profound comments on that? No, basically, if you've got, you know, if you're backing up to a wooded area and it's, you know, it does have deer as inhabitants, there's not right. really too much you can do. A combination of different things, you might try some Irish spring soap if you haven't tried that. But uh, always, you know, whatever you do, just, you know, continuously change because they can get more or less, let's say, resistant to whatever you're trying to use. So the Irish spring soap may be something to give it a try. You hang it from the branches. Don't lay it on the ground and see what will happen. And then okay. as, and now your Norway spruce, are we talking about trees or are we talking about shrubs? Oh, we're talking about shrubs. Norwegian, it looks like Christmas trees. Okay, so they're, how tall are they? Um, they range, uh, I guess the spectrum would be maybe on the low side, six and the high side, 12 to 15 feet high. They're yeah. probably two to two to four years old. Oh, so they're still relatively young. You, and you yeah. know how big they're going to get, right? They're going to get oh, huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. when they're young, they're really tight branch. And then as they age, their branches start, you know, getting more space in between them. And then, the, you know, the can or the needles will start sagging down, which is not a problem with them. But, yeah, fertilizing, if you've, if you've been happy with it, I normally don't recommend, you know, tree spikes or stakes or whatever. But uh, if you've had good luck with it, certainly as soon as the ground, you know, is you know, thawed enough, if you want to go ahead and head out there and do it. I don't like to necessarily prune going into wintertime, I mean, fertilize going into wintertime, simply because if, you know, if it's an extended time before the actual winter gets here, some of the fertilizer could dissolve from these spikes and could cause some bud movement, you know, opening or things like that that could be damaging. But, uh, yeah, you could just pretty much from this point forward just do it any time you can get out there. So if, uh, you know, if it thaws enough in the next two to three weeks, even though we're, quote, in the dead of winter, uh, it's exa- I won't do anything deleterious to the bushes. No, basically because what happens is that stuff is so compacted, it has to dissolve, it has to melt, and then it has to migrate, you know, out to be able to be absorbed by the root system, the feeder roots of your trees. Or sp- okay. Good. Excellent. All right, Mike. Well, listen, stay warm, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you too. And now let's go from O'Fallon, Missouri to Creve Corps, and that's where Barbara lives. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Good morning. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I have a question um, about an azalea. My husband brought it home from the grocery store for me last Easter, and it you know, was pretty, and I thought, well, I'll just stick it out on the patio, and it about tripled in size. Mm-hmm. So I put it in a pot. And I was debating on whether I should just let it freeze or try to do something with it. And it started blooming in October. And it bloomed all the way until around Thanksgiving. And I, I had brought it in the house because I thought, well, I might as well enjoy the blooms. Then it was time to put up the Christmas tree. So I thought, well, I've got to put it in the basement because it was in the way. So now what I'm wondering is, is it, it now it's, so I put it in the basement, it's kind of dropping leaves. And I've been trying not to water it too much, but... It's not happy down there. If I put it, should I bring it back upstairs? Should I put it on an unheated porch? Should I just try to keep it by a window in the basement and nurse it along? What should I do with it? Because I'd like to put it back on the patio next spring. Sure. Basement's too depressing. Azaleas would be crying. So Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's by a window, but it's not getting much light. Right, exactly. So this time of year, anything needs to have the maximum amount of light on the inside. I would say, if does your porch doesn't probably get below freezing, I wouldn't think, even though it's unheated. It 
has the last couple of weeks. It has gotten in the tw- high 20s on right. the porch, yeah. But if it's, uh, if it's not sitting on the floor, then you should be fine. I would take it out and just put it back in the window and just make sure that you don't let the soil get too dehydrated, too dry. So don't overwater it, of course, but don't underwater it. So water it as you put it out there, and just that's what I would do. And this might be a variety that's not hardy. So, I mean, there are some varieties that just can't grow here regardless. And they used to sell some of them, but fortunately the garden centers have gotten past the point of doing that. So this may be one that you know, you never be able to grow outside, but it sounds like you've done a great job with it. Well, now when you say put it back by the window, are you saying put it back inside the heated part of the house or put it out on the porch and just cross my fingers? I would say put it out on the porch, personally. And let it get cold. So now if I do that, will it lose all its leaves? No, if she, unless it's a deciduous type, because there are deciduous types of azaleas. So in other words, ones that drop all their leaves in the wintertime, or it sounds like the one that you have is probably an evergreen one. And the leaves that it dropped, that's a natural occurrence with any kind of broadleaf evergreen. The fact that it starts, as long as the leaves that it's dropping are interior leaves, the ones towards the center of the plant, not the ones on the ends of the branches. Okay. And so is this a common thing to have ones that bloom twice a year? Like it bloomed in, the, you know, it was blooming at Easter and then it just was pretty and green all summer and then it bloomed again in fall like crazy. Yeah, and that sort of indicates to me that it's not a hardy variety necessarily. It's more or less one that can grow in Southern California or Florida or wherever like that. And it does, you can't grow it outside here. Okay. And so maybe just water it, what, every two weeks a little bit? or I would say look at the inside of the pot, and when you start to see the potting mix shrink away from the inside of the pot and there's a little gap, water it then, and then don't water it again until that happens. And give it a good soaking water exactly, when it runs all right. the way through. Right. Okay, I'll try it on the porch. I all hope right. it makes it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if it dies, don't come after me, please. Anyway. Thanks, Barbara. And now let's go to Webster Groves, and that's where John lives. Hi, John. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. So I have a question. I think you mentioned that you put some winterberry next to your house, and that reminded me of winter creeper, which I have a big problem with. And I, I assume you didn't mean winter creeper, which is the the uh, vine that is. I live near Blackburn Park, and that's the uh, Park Service has been trying to rid that. Right. Bird, bird sanctuary of winter creeper and i have it in my yard too and it's been you know i i can keep it from taking over the whole piece of property but i can't get rid of it so i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that uh basically it, it is winter creeper that i have between my garage and the alley and what i do is oh, just is. go out there and you know dig up part of it and throw it into the yard waste dumpster so i just you know I wanted to have some evergreen besides the boxwood in that space. And this actually is quite, you know, a quick story. Uh, I, somebody in the neighborhood had, a, you know, had it someplace. I, I'm not exactly sure where. But there was, only, there was like two pieces of it, about six inches long. And this was a couple years ago. And, I just, and they, the pieces were laying in the alley. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just knock the lower leaves off of it. And so the bottom two or three leaves, and then I just stuck it in this bed. And it actually took off. (laughs) You know, that shows you how aggressive and why people don't necessarily like this. And when I lived in Webster myself, I took out honeysuckle along creek, and I put winter creeper in there to stabilize the bank of the creek. So I, I have used it, but, yeah, it is really a vicious thing. And to really get rid of it, it's, you know, it's not easy to do. 
when I've had it in circumstances in the house in Webster where it came up out of the off the bank and into the yard, I mowed it really short and then I sprayed it with a, a Roundup type thing. And it yes. took several applications to finally get rid of it in the area that I tried to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've just made peace with it. I mean, as long as it stays <laughs> where, it, where it is. It, it also, you know, it, it is a, has wonderful berries for the wind for yes. the in the winter. Right. I like that. Although they take the berries and drop them every place else. That's very true. And I mean, this stuff is so crazy. It can run on the ground. It can climb tree trunks. It can climb sides of houses and everything else. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, like, you know, it's, I guess it's like the deer that come around at night as long as, you know, (laughs) they can, they can eat what they want as long as, you know, we'll, we'll just live with them, I guess. Exactly. Not too much else you can do. Thank you. Thanks, John. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, let's go to Oakville, south of here, and go into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. How are you today? I'm fine, Mike. How are you? Very good. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, well, I last summer, my pen oak tree, my 39-year-old pin oak tree had the gall disease, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is really uh, a challenge. Now that the leaves are off the tree, I look up and I see all of these galls still on the tree. Right. I'm thinking about having the tree cut down. Uh, you could take do, care of the problem? Uh, yeah, I'll get rid of the problem out of your yard. Basically, this is from a sting of a small wasp, not the yes. classic-looking wasp. And that bloating is just, you know, when the eggs hatch, then they burrow into the, you know, the stem. So if you wanted to eradicate them because you don't want to see them, you know, you'd hate looking at the lumps and everything else. Yeah, cutting the tree down would make it so, you know, they'll be gone. There's no getting around it. And if I don't cut the tree down, excuse me, I'll have the same problem this next summer? You'll have the same problem as long as you have this tree and it's alive. Once the tree is impacted by these wasps, they pretty much don't, let's say, they don't move from Oakville to, uh, you know, someplace else. Let's say down to Cape Girardeau or they don't move north to wherever else, you know, they may go. They pretty much stay around the same tree where they were born. So what's probably going to happen is you'll just end up with more and more and more galls. You can go into the woods and look at areas, you know, oak trees that have been, you know, had galls on them for years. And some of the galls are getting huge because a lot of times the females will lay the eggs on, let's say, an old gall, and which just makes no sense. I don't know why they would bother doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's never gonna, they're never going to go away. Some of them may break off as a result of, like, some squirrel trying to just oh, we, keep us. I had a lot break off last summer. Every day they would rain down because we had very busy squirrels eating right. those galls. And they use the galls to chew because if squirrels don't chew, then their lower teeth will, you know, grow up into the roof of their mouth and it'll kill them. So that's why they always hear them going, (laughs) they're chewing, and that's just to, you know, keep their teeth small. Okay. All right. Thank you for your advice. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you once you got them, you got them. There's no getting around. Now, there is injections and other things that may modify it, but I've not, you know, on larger mature trees... It's going to be a, a very, very long involved process. And let's say they do kill all the wasps and all the whatevers that, you know, in that particular tree, the galls are still going to stay there for years until they finally come off. So thanks, Mary. And now let's go to Nick. And Nick lives in Sparta, Illinois. Hi, Nick. 
Hi, how you doing today? And thanks for taking my call. Sure. I enjoy your pro- program. Uh, I had a uh, uh, little info. The guy was talking about deer coming out there, uh, you know, and, and chewing on these uh, small trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to have the same problem about rutting season and that when they were would come out and rub up against the stuff. And I used to go to the barber and get hair clippings ah. and put them in nylon socks, and, you know, like anklets or something like that. Sure. Hang them off the tree, and that kept the deer off of it. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> it seemed to work. Uh, I heard that from an old timer. Uh, the other thing I wanted to comment on, uh, number one, what do you mean by a knockout rose? It's a variety of shrub roses. Then the name knockout simply means that the, the company that developed this type of shrub rose decided to name it knockout. Okay. All right. That that answers that. I hear you talking about it all the time. Uh, next thing, some of the established roses, like uh, the uh, you know the regular bush roses, right? And Hybrid stuff teas like and grandifloras and floribundas, that kind. Yeah, stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, teacup roses, uh, and that's basically uh, you know my mom and she learned that from her her mother, so. Uh, when you go to trim them, trim it down until you see the first uh, five leaf stem on them. Right. And that's so, when you're you removing know. the blooms. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's all I got to say. Uh, I really do enjoy your program. Well, thanks. And thanks for having me on your show, Nick. And okay. tell everybody in Sparta I said hi. Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> sure. I'm sure you talk to everybody. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, let's go from Sparta up to Alton and into Patchard. Hi, Pat. Hello, Pat. Are you there? Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard? I guess not. <laughs> let's go to Roger in Belleville. Hi, Roger. Hi, Mike. How are you this new year? Very good. Uh, I want to remove some juniper bushes out of my uh, <clears throat> my front area of my yard. They're about 25 years old. Is there an, uh, an easier way to remove them rather than just pull them out? Uh, basically, you can cut them, cut them down to like a foot or so, and then get some turd on, which is a, more or less a, a wood stump killer, or you can get Roundup for killing woody plants. But that's going to be, you know, fairly, you know, involved process. So, yeah, pulling them out is, I don't necessarily recommend that. But the only other way of doing it is cutting, you know, and then leaving enough of a stub that you can actually take, let's say, the Roundup or the Turdon or whatever it happens to be and paint it right onto the open wound right after you cut it. The plant, you know, the juniper will then suck it down into, you know, the let's say the trunk and then out to the root system, but it's probably going to take uh, one or two years before they're going to be completely dead. Then you're still going to have the stump, so you might have to yank the stump out with a, you know, a truck or whatever. Or you can another way to do it is I don't know how big these are, if they're fitzers and that type, or if they're lower ground cover type, you can go out and dig them up. 
but that is a lot of work. You're going to have to take a shovel and an axe to be able to get them up out of the ground. Right. Uh, the second question is, uh, what do I do with an area where I've had uh, tomato blight? If, if I haven't uh, used it for tomatoes for a while, can I replant tomatoes? Uh, if, you've, if, if, if it's probably been at least two years with no tomatoes there and you've cleaned up all the debris, so there's no debris there you know, left from the tomatoes at all, then you, after two years you should be fine. And any way to minimize the future uh, tomato blight? Yeah, I don't know what variety of tomato you're getting, but make sure whatever variety it is has a you know, VFN on the tag right below what variety name is on that tag. Gotcha. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, yeah, tomato blight is just a disaster. With that VFN, is not necessarily meaning that you're never going to get the blight, but it, this is a variety that's been hybridized to make it so you're going to have a less of an opportunity or chance to have the blight. So that's really, really important. But, again, two years, turn the soil over, and uh, always for anybody, whether you've had the tomato blight or not, clean up that tomato debris. Just don't leave it lay there, and don't leave tomatoes on the ground or anything else, anything related to tomatoes. Pick them up and, you know, at the end of the season and get it out of there completely. Thanks, Roger. And now let's go back to Alton in the patch yard. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a six-year-old Chefalera mm-hmm. plant, and it's gotten tall and ragged-looking, and the stems are curvy now, and uh, it's some, two of them are over four foot tall with thick stems. Can I cut these way down, and should I repot it? And what do you use for fertilizer with this? It was real. It was short and bushy when new, and it, can it be restored? Uh, restoring, it sounds like you don't have enough light where it's growing. So, in other words, it's got to be in a more or less a southern window that has a lot of light coming in all winter long and all, well, you know, summer I, it long. It is. Yeah, it is in a southern window, uh, southwest. So, is there trees on the outside of the window? No. No? So, there's full sunlight coming in? Yes. So, that, you know, that's, you know, a good enough situation. Yes, you can cut it back. I don't know how many stems you have coming. But uh, if you've got, let's say, four stems coming up out of the ground. Oh, I've got lots of those. I've got seven or eight. Okay. I would say don't cut back all of them at once and wait until the days start getting longer. So wait until, like, let's say, uh, April or so. Cut them back to about four to six inches or one foot if you want to cut them back that far. Cut out the ones, the first, you know, let's say, first series of pruning it back, the ones that are really the ugliest. And then, you know, get rid of those. Let the new growth start. Fertilize them with just a regular type of house plant food. And beyond that, that's about all you really need to do. Repotting it, it probably doesn't need it unless you see the root systems coming out of the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. Oh, okay. Okay. And then so uh, do it, when I take it out of the pot, if that happens, do I chop those root systems off? No, you don't necessarily need to do that. You can shake off a lot of the old existing potting mix that's around the root systems and don't get a pot any bigger than one inch, you know, larger than the one it's currently growing in. Oh, okay. So don't get a big, massive pot. That's going to cause a plant a lot of grief. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, all right. That's a good idea. Is there any fertilizer that you recommend? Uh, Just a house plant food. I mean... There's Peters, there's Bayers, there's, you know, Scott's, there's all kinds of different ones. Okay, yeah, I, I had that Schultz stuff. Is that, 
good for Chef Valera. Yeah, I, I don't know that particular variety, but yeah, as long as it says it's for you know more or less house plants and in water, you know, fertilize less often, even and only fertilize during the growing season. So, in other words, let's say sometime between March and October, fertilize only then, never from October till March. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you very well, much, Mike. Yeah. And if you missed anything, you can always listen to the podcast, and that will. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about nine minutes left for the show. So if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock today, Alex Ferrario is going to be KMOX live from the 2018 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up. Greg, you got a question? Yeah, we had a caller named Ian call in a little bit ago, and he was wondering what would be a good decorative house plant that needs low light, maybe in a basement or something similar? Uh, probably if I was going to pick something that can handle really fairly low light, I would look at Sansevieria, S-A-N-S-V-E-R-I-A, or the common name is mother-in-law's tongue, or snake plant is another common name for it. But it grows like a pointed, straight-up vertical. doesn't really ever flower for the most part. It does flower, but technically. But that's probably what I would use for that. So, Let's go now to the caller, and his name is Bob. And Bob happens to live in Troy, Illinois. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, uh, I've got a question about watering, especially watering trees and lawns. But first I want to say that... Uh, we got your month-by-month gardening in Missouri book over Christmas, and we're really enjoying it. Well, great. Thanks. It's great. Great chapters about what to do every month in the edibles and the houseplants and uh, trees and roses and perennials, and it's a lot of fun to read. Right. Well, how, who do I make the check out to that I'm going to send to you for <laughs> your <laughs> advertisement? No, I'm kidding. Well, one thing that keeps striking me in this book, like you always do on the radio, is you got to water, you got to water, you got to water. Right. And then I pull up the annual rainfall in St. Louis over the past 20 years, and sometimes we get like 30 inches of rain, sometimes we get 50 inches of rain. Right. And I remember being out in West Texas, and the city parks out there have a little spigot right at the bottom of every tree in the park. And it's it's starting to make me think that maybe watering is a lot more important than I uh, thought it was. And then I hear the lady that uh, came down from Chicago, and she wanted to grow cherry trees, and she keeps failing at that. And I know I've failed at cherry trees several times. So I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should water more. And then, um, so, like, I planted uh, a little patch of Kentucky bluegrass in my yard this past fall, and it, and it came up really nice. It's, it's really bright green right now, and I know Kentucky bluegrass needs a lot of water, but... Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I wonder if maybe uh, I should put do like the West Texas people and put little spigots around my yard and kind of really pour on the water more than I have been in, in, in the landscaping beds and the lawns and the trees, and maybe everything would do better. Well, you know, they do that in that part of the country because it's very arid. So it's really super dry. So they're watering because they can't water, let's say, the whole environment. They're watering very specific locations. I don't think... 
you know, that's going to be of benefit. And, you know, an average amount of rainfall per year doesn't mean too much. If you remember just what last year was like, we had early spring where everything was flooded. And then as we got into fall, everything was super dry. So it's yeah. just, you know, modifying it. So the total rainfall or total amount of water is important, but also it's the timing that's is important too. So that's, yeah. you know, so, you know, watering in just, you know, one little area, let's say spigot wise, I would say that's, you know, that's probably not worth the effort or anything else. Just water the whole environment is going to be more important. So, you know, it's just, it depends upon your water pressure and everything else. But, you know, having a more or less a rain gauge sitting out in your lawn or even just a bowl whenever you do watering or whenever it does rain so you can see how much rainfall there is. Because, let's say, a lawn needs about, uh, you know, during the wintertime, an inch of water every 7 to 10 days. During the summertime when it's hot, probably an inch of water every 5 to 7 days. You know, and that's all adjustable. But so I would do more or less that. And if you're going to water trees and stuff, don't water close to the trunk. Water out where the virtually the extension of the branches are all the way out there. And having good quality soil is important because the soil lets the water sink in as opposed to just running off. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for that. Yeah, and with the you know good soil, it's just like core aeration followed by a you know let's say a half inch of compost. Let that compost fall down in the core aeration holes. Let's go now to South County and to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have two questions. I hope I can do. Uh, I have a Christmas cactus. That first of all, I have one of my cats that loves to attack it. And if you have any suggestions, secondly. It's very emaciated. It um, it just the leaves are real flat. Uh, do I need to fertilize? Well, and, the leaves on a Christmas cactus are flat. But they, this is really sicky. <laughs> so if they're weeping over the sides of the pot, yeah. Oh, then it's you've already wa- overwatered it and it's a goner. Oh. So the oh. root system's been rotted off. Oh. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Oh, that's really sad. Then the, I don't have to worry about the cat then anymore. No. Do Let I? the cat have it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. There, go for it. <laughs> also, I, have, I was given an orchid for Christmas from mm-hmm. a friend, and the, the flowers fell off of oh, two of the stalks, which I had gone online and found that that was okay. Right. I went out and got some orchid fertilizer. What I wanted to know is do I cut those stalks back? The ones that the flowers were originally on? Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, you know, get rid of them. They don't help okay. the plant at all. You're not, okay. even though there's been people that call and say, I've had rebloom on the old flower stalks. Okay. That's okay. not usually going to be the circumstance. Yeah. I, I do have new stalks coming up. Okay. But I just didn't know if I could get rid of the other stalks. Oh, but, yeah, definitely. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for your advice. Sure. And Marjorie in Columbia, Illinois. Hi, Marjorie. I have a Siberian Husky, and where there was grass now, there is mud. And is there anything we can put down to hold this mud? <laughs> we can't put sand in there because it will ruin the floors. Yeah. can't do that. Also, in the sand and you know clay soils together, what kind of soils can bake up in the summertime to be bricks? There's really yeah. not too much you can do. Is this an area where the dog's running back and forth? Uh, yes, yeah. yes, 
And it's a, also some of it's under a tree, too. Yeah, so basically putting mulch out is about all you can do. You're never going to be able to get grass to grow there. And ground covers and stuff like that is just can't withstand dogs running back and forth. And underneath the tree close to the trunk, that's because it's solid wood underneath there. Even though it's you think it's soil, you could maybe potentially grow a ground cover like ivy or periwinkle under that, but don't put it up too close to the trunk You know, with oh. the initial planting. Okay. Well, the thing over this, where where she where she runs back and forth, uh, it, it's just you know when it rains, it's it's just mud. Right. And of course that tracks in and everything. So you think the only thing to do is put mulch down? Yeah, like four, three or four or five inches of mulch, and just replenish the mulch every time you start to see the mud come up up between the pieces of mulch. Okay, and 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 the mulch should be just. Wood chips? Yeah, you could use wood chips because you're not going to, you know, it's not really going to matter all that much. You don't necessarily have to spend a huge amount of money, but just realize that this is, you know, it's just due to the compaction of the dog running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that's, it's so, the soil's so compacted, nothing, if you don't get any weeds growing there, you know that nothing is going to grow there. Yeah, there's no weeds. Yeah, no weeds means nothing will grow. Okay, they have another problem. Have a pond this close by, and there are some snakes. There's snake holes, and there's snakes. What can you do about that? I would say, you know, get a hold of the county extension service and see. I don't know which kind of snakes they they are, but see if there's some kind of control. Snake wise, hmm, I don't really know. I mean, if it's close by, it's not on your property. There's not really too much you can do. Marjorie, got to run. And Jenny, sorry, Jenny from Baldwin, we can't get to your call today, but I will be at back, I hope, next Saturday, unless something else goes crazy. Or Intercom says you're gone. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.